When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of When in Romance is sponsored by the Bennett Women by Eden Apiakubi and from Amazon Publishing. EJ is an ambitious Black engineering student. Jamie is a newly out trans woman studying French and theater. Tessa is a Filipina astronomy major with guy trouble. For these three undergrads, Bennett House is more than a residence. It's an oasis of feminism, femininity, and enlightenment. Yet the world is brimming with possibilities, and soon each woman finds herself planning for love. But what happens when EJ finds herself drawn to a man who's not exactly a perfect fit for the future she has planned? Read this delightfully modern spin on Pride and Prejudice today. As you can tell from the summary, this book is a modern take on Pride and Prejudice. It's about three students who live in an all-women's hall at prestigious Longbourn University. Bennett House, where they live, is more than a dorm. It's a sisterhood. As the school year goes on, they experience challenges with love, friendship, and identity. So go and find The Bennett Women by Eden Apiakubi today. It is from Amazon Publishing, and you can find it on Amazon. Hello and welcome back to Wind and Romance, where we love to talk about all the things related to romance and Romance Landia and things you might have heard or you might not have heard. It's been a long month and I'm so happy to be back. I'm Jess. And I am Trisha and also happy to be back. We are recording episode 90 on Thursday, September 16th, 2021. And man, have we got some stuff to talk about. We sure do. But some of it's fun. Some of it's fun. So stick with us. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of fun stuff, we did hear from some folks. Apparently, Trapper Keepers really let out the the excitement and the joy in a certain contingent of listeners. And also, I appreciate the validation. <laughs> so we heard from a few people on Twitter and Instagram and email. Someone who emailed us, whose name I won't use, uh, but whose initial is L, uh, owned, also owned a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. Uh, this person owned the horse one. <laughs> which, you know, I'm assuming that it was a purple horse with beautiful pink hair and probably a bejeweled, oh, as it turns out, I know nothing about horses. <laughs> what, like reins? Is that a thing? Right. It's I don't a, know. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Jess, you're so supportive. <laughs> uh, but anyway, again, thank you for the Trapper Keeper validation. And thank you. We did hear from a few folks about a few other things, too. Um, since we talked about the does it bang hashtag on our last episode, I know. It's been a while. It's been four weeks. But if you can remember back that far, we did hear from someone whose kind of uh, metric for judgment was whether or not the main characters can have a conversation, (laughs) which fair enough, there is a bit of a situation sometimes in romance where a lack of a simple conversation really leads to a lot of conflict, an outsized amount of conflict. So I can understand how that metric would be helpful for someone. Mm hmm. But as always, thank you so much to everybody who uh, sent us emails and notes and DMs and all of that. We love to read them. We love to hear about it. Uh, and thank you, as always, as well, to those of you who rate and review the show, help other people find it. 
Yes, thank you all. We love hearing from you. Another bit of thing that is fun is our next Wind and Romance book club. <laughs> Trisha, are you excited? It's coming soon. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes, remind people what it is. We are reading Office Hours by Katrina Jackson, and we're going to be talking about it on September 30th. So if you manage to get it in your hands and read it before then, send us your thoughts, ideas, exclamations, whatever, um, so that we can be sure to include all of that in our conversation. And, you know, you can always listen to our conversation and decide if you want to read it. I That's how regular book clubs go, at least with me. So (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. Yeah, very fair. Yeah, no, I'm excited about this one. I appreciate that it's not a we've talked about before, like, I have a little bit of hesitancy around the student slash professor dynamic. And this is two different teachers, like they're both faculty members, which I am personally just much more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to talk about kind of the weird, complicated, like, small p politics of academia, which I have, you know, some friends who teach and and I've heard about it from them. I am much more excited to hear about it with like the sexy times Mm -hmm. that I think are going to be involved in this book. But, you know, and, and, and there may be some conversation, too, about the power dynamics. I think these folks might be at slightly different places in their career. But either way, I'm really excited to to finish this one up and to talk with you, Jeff. Same here. And uh, Katrina Jackson is an academic, and she works at a university. So she's coming from this with, you know, lots of knowledge. Yes. M- maybe not the sexy times, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, let's I, not assume not the sexy time. I mean, right? like let's... with a colleague. I don't. I don't know. Yes. I don't know well, what sure. her life is like. But <laughs> fair point. Fair point. We will not make any assumptions. But whatever you know, fictional world takes place here. We we won't assume where the inspiration comes from. Right. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to read that one. Like just said, if you have if you've been reading it, if you have thoughts, if you have questions, if you have observations, or if you haven't read it and have any of those things, feel free to let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to get into some more complicated things, but also some, you know, Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> but before we do that, Jess, why don't why don't you take us through another ad spot? Yes, let's do an ad spot. This episode was sponsored by Bombshell by Sarah McLean. Uh, New York Times bestselling author Sarah McLean returns with a blazingly sexy, unapologetically feminist new series, Hell's Bells, beginning with a bold bombshell of a heroine able to dispose of a scoundrel, or seduce one, in a single night. Someone has to keep Lady Cecily Talbot from tumbling into trouble during her dangerous late-night escapades, and maybe close proximity is exactly what Caleb Calhoun needs to get this infuriating, outrageous woman out of his system. But now Caleb is the one in trouble, because he's fast realizing that Cecily isn't for forgetting, she's forever. And forever isn't something he can risk. So this is a brand new series, but if you have read some of Sarah McLean's previous books, these two names might be familiar to you. Uh, Cecily Talbot and Caleb Calhoun have both been featured in previous books, and people have been craving their story for years. So if you are excited, check out Bombshell by Sarah McLean. But you don't need to have read the previous books to enjoy it. It sounds like one of those stories, Jess, where people have been, okay, I had this conversation today. I don't know if it's champing at the bit or chomping at the bit. And partly 
I'm asking you this question because I would like some validation of which it is. But like, you know, people are at the bit in one way or another uh, for these people to find their HEA, which I think is always very satisfying. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's chomping. Is it? Okay. But you know, it could be a regional thing. I don't know. Oh, good point. (laughs) Everyone let us know what your region or country says, or if you've never heard that expression before, either. (laughs) Either way. But regardless, Bombshell by Sarah McLean. Yes. Uh, All right. So we have to, okay, so if we had recorded, so we did not record two weeks ago because the Book Riot editorial staff appropriately took off Labor Day, and they would have been the folks who were posting the podcast. So we had a day off as well. Mm -hmm. But if we had recorded, Jess, we probably would have talked about a story about Violet Gaze Press and a monster anthology. And I will be honest with you, this one was not quite on my radar until sort of the finale of it. Mm-hmm. Is that Was that true for you or were you following along the whole time? I was kind of following along because I follow RM Virtues and he was the one who sp- started this, this whole conversation that slow, well, not slowly, that wildly led to, I don't know <laughs> what really happened at the end, but... You know, several months ago, I remember seeing RM post about monster romance. And he didn't specifically say, hey, somebody make a monster romance anthology. But he did sort of spark the idea that led to Violet Gay's press saying, all right, we're making a monster anthology and RM is going to work with us on it. Um, Because if you're unfamiliar with Violet Gay's press, they had... A lot of authors who wrote individual series, but they also have spent the past couple of years producing anthologies of novellas and novelettes on topics. They had an only one bed, they had an enemies to lovers, they had friends to lovers, mm-hmm. and they were, they decided that their next thing was going to be a monster on- anthology, you know, while strike while it's hot kind of thing. And sure. And we, we have to have this, this conversation in a bigger scale later, but oh my gosh, the monster sex. Yes. <laughs> it is. Yes. It has become a thing and I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll at least start that conversation even sort of maybe later in this episode, but for the meantime, yes, yes. that's, yeah. Yes. It's just worth saying that that for sure was a striking while the iron is hot situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they did a call for submissions, people submitted, from what I understand from the conversations discussed on Twitter, RM had a hand in selecting whose stories would be in it. I'm not sure if that's completely true, if he like was, was the one to select or was just kind of consulted. And then right before we would have recorded our last podcast... He spoke up about the fact that he was no longer going to be part of this project, in part because of a, I don't want to call it a disagreement, a sort of turnaround from Violet Gay's press about the credit that he would be receiving, not only for sparking the whole idea in the first place, but also being ongoingly involved. And this conversation started out like 
not quite hearsay because he's the one who said it, but it started out kind of like, you know, I didn't I didn't want to speak up, but I have to say something. And then all of a sudden, everything was out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it was like, it seems like I said, I came in kind of uh, at the end, such as there is an end to something like this, but it seemed like within 12 to 24 hours, like it happened very, very quickly mm-hmm. that he was out there as a black trans man, basically saying, I like they took this idea, I've been pushed out of it, and I was sort of used for my influence. And maybe I should have set better boundaries. But realistically, like this is not a way that I want to be treated and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And Violet Gaze, um, and we'll I'll, I'll include the links here to both RM's uh, initial sort of note indicating that he was out and then the apology that eventually and again I probably within a day maybe even within like a few hours now that I'm looking at some of these timestamps yeah it was really quick <laughs> yeah eventually violet gaze did put out you know i mean it shouldn't have happened in the first place and obviously things went very wrong and so i almost don't want to credit them but i will say it is not common to get this much of a blanket like very clear we apologize we messed up here is the tweet from rm virtues explaining like how they felt about this you know like that's a that's not a super common thing to see not only someone just full-on saying this was our mistake we messed up we own it we fully apologize please see you know this person's words because we don't want it to seem like we are trying to paint it in a way that makes us look better. But but at the same time, it also shouldn't have happened that way, right? Like somebody obviously, I'm guessing Violet Gaze Press seems to be quite small. Mm-hmm. There's probably only a handful of people who work there. Less than. This very easily, yeah, th- this very easily could have been one person really messing up. Mm-hmm. And that certainly doesn't mean they don't have to take accountability for it. They absolutely do. Yeah. And, you know, in the time between... RM posting his first, like, I gotta say something to the we messed up, which like you said, was just a couple hours, a lot more conversation was having both in that conversation. And Mm -hmm. as you know, Twitter branches off into lots of different other conversations about not just this particular situation, and how the person who is probably who is the primary voice of Violet Gaze Press treated RM and might have specifically treated him a certain way because of certain things about him, but also yeah. the way that others have been treated by the pair of people, I think, that are the primary points of contact if I like gaze. And then mm-hmm. before the day was over, there were several authors who decided that they would no longer be working with Violet Gaze Press. In the end, Violet Gaze did decide to cancel the anthology and give everybody the rights back to their stories so that they could publish them themselves. And RM was like, I'm doing this. Not I'm doing this, like I'm doing the anthology, but like I'm publishing all of my stuff myself. Let me know if you need help. I'm not going to do this and make you flounder. If you want mm-hmm. to, if you want to do this without a publisher, I got you. So there were all kinds of things happening here. But the most notable was the fact that a lot of these authors 
just decided that they would no longer be working with Violet Gaze. Some of them have taken their rights back so that they can republish their older books. Some of them are just going to go forward and publish things, even that they were working with series with Violet Gaze and do it themselves. So it's it was a literal implosion. Yeah. I don't know what Violet Gaze is going to look like in the future if they have decided to completely shut down for a while at least to like take a look inside yeah but there was a lot of conversation after that about small publishers um specifically publishers that are one or two people and if something happens with a personality or physical ailment like courtney milan talked about like if somebody gets sick and your publisher if and your publishing house implodes that house is too small like Mm mm-hmm because like we don't we don't know the personalities of people when we decide to work with a small house until we've started to work with them. I mean, we don't know the we don't know the personalities of people in traditional publishing until we started to work with them either. And the average right. layperson isn't going to know what anybody's like un- unless they know them or they see them on Twitter or that kind of parasocial relationship starts to happen over social media. So it's there's a lot of elements to all of this happening not just the the big thing that happened but like what it did to an entire community of romance authors yeah and i think that's part of what is i think you're hitting on a really important point here that you know we talk about the i don't know i guess for lack of a better term the virtue of a small publishing house right or an independent publisher or you know, like whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it or say it or whatever. Violet Gaze has at this moment, uh, whatever time, 9.30 Eastern on September 16th, 1,921 followers. Mm-hmm. By contrast, Berkeley, which to be fair is almost certainly the largest romance publisher out there, but Berkeley has 28,000 plus followers. Mm-hmm. Berkeley has their little blue check mark. Violet Gaze does not. So, I mean, I think... Almost certainly there was a point at which the Violet Gaze people, with whatever regret or, you know, apologies or whatever that they might have had, they certainly probably also recognized that if they were going to survive at all, they needed to issue that very full-throated apology. And I think, like you said, Jess, we don't, maybe they will survive it and maybe they won't. And maybe they should and maybe they shouldn't. And it's, yeah, it's a good reminder that... One person who is taking advantage of someone's creativity or who is treating someone a certain way because of their gender or race or whatever else, if it's one person and you're a two-person shop, that's that's telling, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that's a thing, you know? Yep. So anyway, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. But this is, yeah, yet another chapter in the very complicated chapter of of small press and and independent publishing so yeah but i do hope to like i've you know as all of that was happening we saw at least a number of those who had been accepted and were going to be publishing part of the anthology announcing that they were going to publish them individually on their own so i am looking forward to seeing those hooray uh, all right, we have one more topic before we get into some some actual book talk. But before we do it, I'm going to mix it up. Mm-hmm. I am going to uh, 
to do a little ad spot. All right. Pretty excited. Yeah, I know, right? Here we are. <laughs> uh, this ad is from Radish Fiction. All right. Get ready, Jess. I'm going to read you a, a line from a, from a story. Ooh. I want to call her into my office and kiss her, but I shouldn't. These are the words of Camilla's boss and her dad's best friend, the commanding and gorgeous Lincoln. Camilla is grown up working in Lincoln's office and beyond curious about her new boss's strict yet kind temperament. She's wanted him forever, and now their proximity is about to cause a tidal wave. Read the hot and trending forbidden romance, Her Dad's Best Friend, on Radish. So as you can tell, this is from Radish. You can read on the Radish Fiction app for free. The stories have meaty characters and tempting plots. There are talented, award-winning authors. And you can get deals on paid content as soon as you sign up. So Radish is like the root vegetable. And if you are interested, you can enable screen reader support. Uh, If you have a Mac, you can press Command-Option-Z to learn more about computer shortcuts. And I'm sure that those are options if you are reading from a PC as well. So again, that is from Radish Fiction, where you can read for free. Speaking of free, (laughs) I don't know. Okay, yeah, I can't make this transition work. Whatever. It is what it is. But (laughs) speaking of recommendations, speaking of the internet, speaking of a lot of things, Mm -hmm. Jess, I feel like you and I have been noticing something similar that a lot of people have been noticing lately, and that is the impact of what, uh, what we might call book talk. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, while this is something that I've been noticing happening for a while, as a person who works in a library and notices uh, random backlist books suddenly having a hundred holds on them, um, this is also something that I've noticed on social media among the romance folks, because book talk is impressive. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. It's a real force. For those who don't know, Book Talk is uh, sort of the bookish corner of TikTok. For those of you who don't know, TikTok is a social media app yeah. <laughs> focused on videos. Uh, there's a lot of dancing, mm-hmm. uh, but also there are uh, a lot of books. And I think, you know, we started to see the influence and I started to hear about it just, I think, probably last year. Madeline Miller's Song of Achilles mm-hmm. was, was really big. And that was about as as far in as I went. I I will confess, I don't have TikTok. I get a little bit sort of like, I can only have so many social media apps on my phone at a time. (laughs) I get very distracted. And also I'm old. So, you know, I don't have it. I I rely on the insight of others, people like Jess, (laughs) you know, podcasts I'll talk about in a little while. But it you almost a lot of what happens on TikTok makes its way to other corners of the internet. Mm-hmm. And even I was aware of what was going on over the course of the last few months with a book called Ice Planet Barbarians. Jess, are you familiar with Ice Planet Barbarians? It is something that I had heard of and probably added to my Goodreads want to read list a while ago, but it is not something that I had been hearing as much about as I have over the past couple months. And I'll tell you, my TikTok um, use is relatively low compared to other people, but I have one friend who is bookish but not a romance reader who will send me things, and that's how I end up on TikTok. And she sent me, I don't know if it was the original Ice Planet Barbarians book or video or, you know, one of the countless others that evolved from it 
But she was like, have you read this book? I'm on book two already. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I there's a um, so I'm going to link to a CNN article. It is by AJ Willingham that has that kind of traces the history of the Ice Planet Barbarians TikTok uh, journey. Mm-hmm. I think we can call it yep. um, <laughs> the Ice Planet Barbarian journey as happens. And there's a a 22-year-old woman named Emma Carter who um, started kind of just getting on TikTok, talking about stuff she was excited about. And one of the things she happened to come across was this book, Ice Planet Barbarians, which I think it had been previously independently published Mm -hmm. or self-published by the author. And, you know, kind of what she said was basically, you know, like like all it took was somebody's full-throated enthusiasm to say – I like this book. I'm excited about this book. I think it's really good. And it kind of just takes off. It also features like blue aliens who are very interested in having babies, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot happening here. I don't know. Also, as a content note for those of you who might decide to pick it up because we're talking about it, there is a bit of dubious consent. Sure. Because of the concept of the story in space sex trafficking so you know yeah i haven't actually read them so take that with a, a you know a nice piece of himalayan pink salt just you know yes <laughs> yes indeed i think yeah anything that we talk about in this segment about book talk you should check out the goodreads content warnings to make sure it's for you mm-hmm. but i do i mean i will say jessen first of all i this book has been now picked up by berkeley Right, who's who's going to publish a version of it? Mm-hmm. Um, and as mentioned earlier on, Berkeley is almost certainly the largest romance publisher. Maybe not. Maybe Harlequin's bigger. It's one of the largest out there. But so, I mean, congratulations to <laughs> to Ruby Dixon who wrote this book. I like. I think that's cool. I also think, again, acknowledging that we have not read this specific book or anything else we're talking about here. I think it's kind of cool that the democratization of book reviews kind of has happened this way right like i think there are probably a lot more people that have the tiktok app on their phones than have subscriptions to new york times and so you know it's kind of fun that there is no hesitation to talk about or recommend genre fiction and it seems to be having a pretty major impact on sales and on library holds and on all of those things yes and it's it's the interesting thing about it mostly because it, well, I'm not going to say mostly, in, in part because of the demographic that uses TikTok, or at least that started out in TikTok. Now I think mm-hmm. everyone, not, well, not everyone, but like across demographics, there are a lot of, a lot of TikTok users. But backlist books are easier to acquire in paperback and easier to find at like the library or used bookstores or whatever. And people are discovering them and sharing their love for them. Like, there are so many books that came out a few years ago that are wildly popular on TikTok, including Ice Planet Barbarians. But, you know, you talked about Song of Achilles. That was the book that actually, like, made me go, like, what is going on with book talk? Because suddenly there were 100 holds for a Song of Achilles while there were 20 copies of Cersei available. Um, But... You know, yeah, especially being like more recent, right? I mean, right, yeah. So it's 
it's just one of those things where like you don't know what the next big book on TikTok is going to be and you can't prepare for it if you're a library or a bookstore, but you sure do enjoy it when more people start coming to, in to buy that book unless you it's forever out of print. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I will confess that because I am, at least in terms of like social media culture, I am old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, like in my... I don't even know if I can call it my mid-late 30s at this point. Definitely my late 30s. <laughs> and I listen to a podcast called ICYMI from Slate. It's about internet culture. And they talk about things like, you know, the milk crate challenge. And like every time I'm like, what on earth is happening <laughs> with these like trending topics and whatever? I listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I still think it's weird, but at least now I understand it. And uh, the host of that, I will link to that podcast as well, because I think it's really helpful. If if you, like me, are not willing to actually get TikTok or, like, jump back into Tumblr, uh, they've talked about OnlyFans. So I will, again, not a thing that I have an account with. So I will I will link to that. But, you know, I think one of the, the things that they were talking about, too, the hosts of that show, were that so much of, and I think Book Riot is not like this, but a lot of outlets that do book reviews or recommendations are focused only on front list. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, in kind of that discussion of the democratization sort of 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 book recommendations and reviews, I you know, this book is several years old, and Song of Achilles is almost a decade old. And yet, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss has also been a big book talk book. Mm -hmm. So you know, I mean, there are these books out there that it's kind of like, just because a book has been out for three years does not mean it's not still a fun, great book. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm all for book talk. I'm here for it. I am too, even though I'm not actually there for it. I'm here oh yeah, for fair. It. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the secondary notifications related to book talk. Yeah, they make their way to Twitter and Instagram eventually, and like exactly two months later, they make it to Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, Instagram, whatever. Like we get there. Yeah. Or or Slack people people will tell us or you can like read Book Riot. There are young people on Book Riot. There are even TikTok posts on Book Riot. So indeed, there are. Y'all should go check those out. Uh, anything else you want to talk about related to to Book Talk and and the progress that they're making over there, the youngins? Yeah, it's I'm I'm wildly curious to see how this influences the rest of publishing because like you mentioned, Ice Planet Barbarians got picked up to be like the entire backlist which it, if you've looked, there's a lot of it to be published traditionally with brand new covers um and all of that and Scarlet St. Clair who I think had a, another little boom on TikTok got picked up by Bloom Books, which is Sourcebooks' new thing that we talked about um, a while ago with the L. James and all of that. But, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all the- comes back. It all comes back to E.L. James. It all comes back to E.L. James. You know what? Book Talk is not talking about is Fifty Shades of Grey. But anyway. You know what, though? I feel like there's a Twilight resurgence. So I kind there of feel is. like the the, the Fifty Shades resurgence is coming. It, it might be. You know what? Because there, there has been a Twilight resurgence ever since they popped back up on Netflix. There, there's been so much Twilight conversation. I am looking forward to the TikToks with scenes from the movie Twilight and the movie Fifty Shades of Grey that look like they were filmed at the same place. Because I've seen the latter once 
I think, and do recall the fact that there are scenes that look like they were filmed in exactly the same place. But that's another story for another day. Episode 100. Episode By that 100. Time, yeah. The, uh, the resurgence of Fifty Shades will be happening. Yeah. We'll be deep in it. I feel like it's coming. <laughs> only 10 more episodes. Only, only 20 more weeks to go, everyone. 20 more weeks to go. <laughs> All right. Well, we are running a little short on time, but before, you know, we we walk away from all of this, Jess, you you inspired me. You found a hashtag. You were you're you're breeding your closet or I don't You know how they say like shopping your closet? What's the like reading version of that? I guess reading your own reading what you got is is what what it is, really. Yeah, that's the best we can do. Yeah, go with it. Yeah. So, I follow the account Shades and Pages on Twitter and Instagram. And the person who runs that along with Sharonda Isadora on Twitter and Instagram started the Read What You Got Challenge, which is just a three week long physical audio Kindle book clean out. And it was like, read what is currently there. Read what you've checked out from the library. Read what you've downloaded. Read the books in your house. Three weeks. Use the hashtag read what you got if you're posting it. And I was like, I can't do a year of read my own damn books, which is a hashtag started by our fellow rioter Andy. But I can do three weeks of reading the books that are on my Kindle, that are in my house, that I checked out from the library. I tried. I really did. Um, <laughs> and uh, no to to be fair saying i tried means i tried to read <laughs> and i've been playing a little bit of book roulette the past couple weeks but i haven't acquired new things to read well i mean i will say this the view from up here on my high horse is <laughs> spectacular because i have actually not tried yet i saw your um, I saw, yeah, I don't know if it was a social media message or Slack or whatever it was, but I saw it and I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> I could totally do that. I could read what I've got, mm-hmm. but I haven't actually done it yet. I did select a few books um, from my, uh, actually, I think all of these came from my ebook list because they were books that I was excited about and I, I purchased and or got for free or you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but they're sitting there and they are unread and so like i said uh from up here in in about to to embark upon it land (laughs) things are things are feeling pretty good but for for a a pretty big content warning if if you have three books jess i'm gonna let you go first because i have one that i i want to let folks sort of opt out of for content warning reasons so if you've only got two i will start but if you have three i'm gonna let you go first i can do three all righty So one book that I read, because I had it checked out from the library, was Battle Royal by Lucy Parker, which is, I think, the third book by Lucy Parker that I've read, uh, even though there are many more Lucy Parker books. And it had the same kind of concept of the other two that I've read, which is two people in the same industry, grumpy sunshine relationship. One of them is a stodgy type who has feelings about the way that the other one works in their industry. If you like that, then there are two of the 
the London celebrities books that you would like to act like it and the Austin playbook. But this one is about rival bakers. They met when she was a contestant on this show that he judges called, I can't remember what it was called, but it, it's very much a baking show. Um, and uh, there was a bit of a mishap with one of her bakes and they haven't had a very great relationship. But then she opened her own bakery directly across the street from his. And now they are together as judges on the same show and all kinds of shenanigans ensue. So it is a rom-com. Like, I had a lot of fun reading it, but it also has a lot of stuff about grief and loss of family, whether they are living or not, and kind of relationships with not only romantic potentials, but friends and siblings and found family and all of that together. So be prepared to not just be laughing it up the whole time. You're going to be dealing with both of their heavy baggage that they have to deal with while also enduring some um, royal-related melodrama. So just be prepared for that, but enjoy it because it's a lot of fun. And that was Battle Royal by Lucy Parker. We may have to do like a Romance Blind Spots episode again sometime soon because I almost also picked a Lucy Parker book because this is true. I have read nothing by Lucy Parker. Oh, no. I started her other series a few times and just never got into it. But that's that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> the first book that I have on my, on my e-book reader is Capturing the Silken Thief. It is by Jeannie Lin. We have talked about Jeannie Lin before and actually read uh, Butterfly Swords for maybe our first ever when in Romance Book Club. This one actually got re-put on my radar by our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who I think read the entire Pink Hang Lee Mysteries series and was talking about it somewhere. I don't remember if it was on social media or Slack or whatever. But for folks who are unfamiliar, Jeannie Lin does historical romance, but she does it in China, which is oftentimes I think when people think about historical romance, they tend to think about England. Sometimes now they have started to think about the United States. Thank you, Beverly Jenkins, Alyssa Cole, and others. <laughs> but Jeannie Lin's are, are in China. And Jia is a musician who needs a, this book of poems. I have not read it, so I'm, I'm looking mostly at the Goodreads review right now. And that she thinks that uh, Luo Cheng has taken it, and she's trying to steal it from him. She fails. This is only a 75-page book, <laughs> but I have a feeling uh, that shenanigans will ensue. And I have a feeling that because it's only 75 pages, I might actually read what I got because I did buy this one a while back. Um, so I'm excited to check it out again. And that is Capturing the Silken Thief by Jeannie Lin. Awesome. Another problem that I've been having with what I got is the fact that Kindle Amazon decided to up the number of books you can borrow from Kindle Unlimited. So instead of oh, I did not know that reading the 10 I had so that I could move on, I added another 10. And now I have 20 books to get through. But I'm down one because I read that time I got drunk and saved a demon by Kimberly Lemming. And I got if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I got a lot of delight and fun out of this book. I mean, just listen to the title. Um, <laughs> And this Kim, this is the first book in Kimberly Lemming's series set in a fantasy world 
but where the characters are very familiar. Sin is the main, is the narrator and her combination of fantasy language and American vernacular, sometimes falling into AAVE, which is even better. Yeah, it just makes the book even that much more hilarious. And so she lives in this town where they there is a resident goddess who calls upon heroes to go fight the demons every 15 years that have risen up. And she does not want to be one of those people ever. So once someone else goes along to on their adventure, she's like, great, I'm good. And then she accidentally wakes a demon up from his like mind control and he tells her that this goddess isn't actually a goddess she's a witch and she's been using her power to control demons to make them go crazy every 15 years and actually demons are pretty cool and wouldn't bother you so now she's <laughs> gotta go on this adventure with the demon um to go destroy the witch so that everyone can live in harmony and it's just it's so much fun and it- totally with you definitely didn't get lost at any point during that description 100 <laughs> percent, totally there <laughs> it's like you lost me at sin um her name is cinnamon which is even funnier because her That's her family yeah. grows cinnamon so and the spice that releases him from his releases fallon the demon from his mind control is cinnamon so there's there it's just so much fun and you know it's easy to read and you know there are a couple typos or whatever but that happens in almost every self-published book you're going to find so don't let that stop you from enjoying this book and hopefully future books by her when they come out i've talked a long time that was that time i got drunk and (laughs) saved a demon by kimberly lemming none of that was wasted time just i think we're all on board now (laughs) I will just give you a quick uh, What We May Be by Layla Rain. I've heard a lot of really wonderful things by um, or about Layla Rain and Rain. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's R-E-Y-N-E, but the link will be in the show notes. Layla had a book that came out just about a month ago called What We May Be, and I had pre-ordered it and didn't realize, or I don't know, but then it showed up on my Kindle, and it was a thing that made me realize that I had actually not read, like, I always get excited about Layla's books and haven't actually read any of them. So this one is a as an MMF, which for those who uh, are unfamiliar means that it's three people, but that both men are sexually interacting with each other and as well as the the F uh, Charlotte. <laughs> so it's it's a group of sort of college best friends who um, had connected in college uh, romantically and. Now, like, one of them's an FBI agent, and it's a situation where he's pitted against the other two, like, one's a detective, and the other is, like, a professor who somehow gets sucked into this whole thing. I can see now, like, why I was very excited and pre-ordered it. Uh, And now I'm excited to read what I got, which is What May Be by Layla Rain. That's exciting. I remember, like, once you started the description, I was like, oh, I remember her talking about this book. Um, because yeah. I am also always interested in her books and rarely get to them. I read one, Dine With Me, a couple of years ago, and that still sits on my list of favorite books to have read. And I still haven't gone back to read other books of hers. So you have inspired me, Trisha. In <laughs> October, 
to read what I don't got. <laughs> but to to read that eventually. <laughs> well, we'll check back in on what we may be. And like I mentioned, I've been um, doing a lot of reading roulette. So this last one is an Up Next, which is a book that I plan to pick up very soon um, because I have had the print arc for like four months and it came out this week. Um, and that is A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria. Oh, yeah. You all have heard me talk incessantly about You Had Me at Ola. Um, and this is the second book in the Primas of Power series. And it's um, about Michelle, who is one of said Primas, and um, Gabe, who was a friend from her youth and who's back into town and has reached out. And I don't even care that it is a technically a friends to lovers story, which you have all heard me say. I'm not sure how well I do with them because I seem to always stall with them. But the way that this is has been set up with the characters and just the fact that it's not like a constant friendship. It's someone who's come back. That is very intriguing to me. And there was no way that I wasn't going to read this book because it's Alexis Daria and I can't not read her books. But uh, I'm looking forward to picking that one up next. And I've heard there's a lots of great representation in this book. I think I remember hearing that at least one of the characters is bisexual. And uh, I'm just really excited to pick it up now that I am bringing myself to do it because I got to read what I got. Right, um, so that is a lot like to. a lot like Adios by Alexis Daria, and I'm gonna give you one more. I will say uh, this is the reason I wanted to do this one last is because it is a book that focuses on the survivors of a school shooting, and I am fully aware that that is a thing that may just be very much off limits to a lot of folks. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to opt out, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, and for those who are sticking with, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but the the book is The Ones Who Got Away by Ronnie Lauren. It's a book that I've heard a lot of people really connected with and really enjoyed. It is about a really difficult topic. It is about the two main characters are, are survivors of a high school shooting, and they are very much reckoning with and dealing with the trauma of that. My understanding is that Ronnie Lauren did do the research to make sure that she was being respectful of that experience. I have, I've actually not read anything by Ronnie Lauren either. And so I have owned this book for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think Amanda Deal, who is uh, one of our fellow writers and who also works at Smart Bitches Trashy Books. I think this was a favorite of hers. And my apologies to Amanda if I'm getting that wrong. But uh, multiple people who I like and respect have really enjoyed this book. And I think there is something really interesting about a story of people who have a shared experience of some kind that, you know, I think you have to grapple with how much of the connection that you have with someone is about that shared experience. And does that, is that a good or a bad or is it both? And what does that look like? And so I think this is a really interesting story to tell for those who, again, for the people for whom it's a fit. And, you know, it's it's not going to be for everyone. And I'm about I'm actually about halfway through this one. Um, at this point, so far, I am on board. I think that the characters are compelling. I can see where there's a series that comes out of it. And we've had a little bit of a lull. So I'm not sure how it's going to go. But 
I will say so far so good on the ones who got away by Ronnie Lauren, and we will we'll report back on on all of these books when we when we talk next. Absolutely. Yeah, that one is another one that's been that whole series has been on my list forever. And I finally read my first Ronnie Lauren book this year. It was Yes, and I Love You. And it was it was two main characters, both both of whom had neurodivergences. And she really did great research with that on that too, because I don't think she shares either of them. But I like that brought me into her writing. And it was like, I got to go back and read everything else she's written. But of course, it's been this year. So I haven't done that yet. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's a another one that I will probably add to my read what you got because I think I have the first one. I know I have the fourth one. <laughs> I have it both in ebook and hard copy. That is where I am on this book that came out three years ago. So <laughs> so I've been able to switch it up, which has been nice. Yeah. Speaking of books that we will report back on the next time we talk, we will be talking about Office Hours. So just one more reminder yes. to read that before we talk next. As always, a huge thanks to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, for her audio work. And for me, this time around, for recommending uh, the Capturing the Silken Thief and the entire series by uh, Jeannie Lynn. Yes, Always thank you, Jen. And if you have any thoughts about anything that we've talked about today or in the past or just romance in general, feel free to reach out. You can find us on email at wendinromance at bookriot.com or you can find us on the socials. Exactly. I am at Trisha Haley Brown on Instagram, which I mostly am on, and Twitter, which I am on a little bit once in a while. Uh, Jess, you are on both. I am on both. You can find me at Jess's Reading All One Word on Twitter, which is what I'm on far too much. Um, and <laughs> Jess underscore is underscore reading on Instagram, which I get on when I see notifications. Also, tell us if you are a good person to follow on Book Talk, because I have exactly. a TikTok, but produce no material. So I just follow people. Tell us if we should follow you. And I don't have one, but I could be convinced. <laughs> much like I'm using retinol at this point to uh, to keep myself from getting too much older, I could also use TikTok. So just let me know. There you go. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And hopefully, happy reading.